G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Around those decisions that we make in our lives, or it could be things that happen to us in our lives that are life-changing. Sometimes we call big decisions or things that happen to us uh, pivotal moments or pivotal decisions. Or we can describe some decisions we make as watershed moments. Now, it's those fork-in-the-road, crossroads moments that affect the way that our lives develop, either into what we may have aspired to be and what we have become. Well, as Christians, perhaps we become all the more aware of defining moments, recognizing that our decisions have consequences. Big moments like what we study or our career choice, who we marry, how we invest our money or we choose friends and mentors. In the Old Testament, God gave choices to the children of Israel to obey his commands and receive his blessing and favor or to ignore or rebel against his commands and bear the consequences. So how much of that idea is still at work today? Is it all just natural? Uh, Some people might say things that happen to us are just fate. Call that a fatalistic way of looking at things, and that's not a godly way of looking at it. Or is there a deeper biblical, spiritual dimension in play? How much do spiritual choices affect the outcome of our lives? And how much do simply wise choices affect the outcomes of our lives or the lives of our children? And let's not even forget here that future generations are dependent on good choices today. Well, we're back today again with Wendy Burns. Wendy is the author of the book called Remarkable You. And Wendy uses her own story to speak into corporate settings in a very powerful way with a view to bringing order and harmony and oftentimes invited into very dysfunctional teams and helping to change the way that people work together. Wendy Burns is an executive director on the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. Wendy is back with us today. Wendy, a special welcome back to 2020. Well, Neil, how delightful to be back with you again this morning. Thank you for for the invitation to be with you and your listeners. Wendy, good and bad things shape our future, for better or for worse, and we often have personal choices in all of that. What are your thoughts for, uh, you know, you know you're, in your own story, you can talk about lots of bad things that happened to you as a young woman, uh, but uh, good and bad things, they shape our future, don't they? They certainly do and, you know, life comes at us and it comes at us in different shapes and forms, good and bad and, and the life stance that we take or what, what we're using as our life stance uh, determines whether we look at it in a negative way or a positive way and that's, for me, positive, that's with my eyes of faith. Um, so that, that's how we weigh up our good and bad, I believe. 
Okay, we're asking our listeners today to join into our conversation and uh, very shortly we'll open our talkback lines and listeners might have their own defining moment that they might like to contribute today to our conversation. Sometimes it's the things that happen to us that are beyond our control. Other times we've got those decisions. So the question I'm asking our listeners today, and you can see the question on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Do you have any control over defining moments that change the outcomes of your life? And there are also already some responses there. Uh, Sam says, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control our response. Now, this is an interesting thing here, and I'll get your thoughts, Wendy, because a lot of things happen to us beyond our control, but we all have control over the way we respond. What are your thoughts here? Oh, look, absolutely. For the first part of my life, I honestly thought, that my life was my lot in life, that what had happened to me, I had no control of. And certainly there was so much that I had no control of. But what I realized as I went on in life and I made my first defining choice, my first you know, pivotal moment when I chose Jesus, was that I actually had some control over my choices. Sure, things happen at us, come at us and happen to us. But it's how we react in those moments. We always have that choice of bitter or better. And up until I made that decision to follow Jesus, I was incredibly bitter and I blamed everybody for what came at me in life and the things that happened to me until I realized that I actually had a choice uh, in, in what I would do, what, what is the next step I would take. Uh, and that's all about when we have that pivotal decision, uh, that is that, that sense of pivotal is that defining moment that, you know, when fundamentally changes based on decision, it's like you're pivoting on a needlehead, isn't it? The choice we make to go right or left, back or forward, will change the destiny for that next chapter of our life. Wendy, bitter or better? I mean, that's a very powerful uh, sort of comment uh, to introduce into a conversation like this today. Because some people will say, how do I know if I'm bitter? Uh, and there's a certain sense here in which the things that have shaped us may shape our entire attitude to the things that we think about in our whole life, whether it's our relationships or our career or every other thing that we're a part of. But this idea of bitterness, uh, I wonder whether you've got a, a personal insight here into how listeners today might be able to even make a self-assessment as to whether they might be in that sort of bitter category. What are your thoughts on this idea of bitterness? Well, I know for myself personally, so I'll talk from personal experience, which is always the best way, isn't it? Uh, for me, I felt I carried such a sense of bitterness within my heart and within my mind, and, and I saw everything that came at me, what people did, said, and behaved towards me, with that filter of bitterness. Why did I, when, when we carry this sense of bitterness, it's like life owes us something because of something that happened. You know, my father had killed himself in front of me, got me to be part of that suicide event. I carried that. My uncle sexually abused me the night my father killed himself, I carried that. I carried that as a sense of a seed of bitterness within my heart because these things had happened to me. Sure, I had no control over them at that stage, and let me say I was only 13. It was as I started to work through my life, and, and I don't see how without 
that sense of knowing uh, Jesus in our heart, truly being able to work through, and I'm going to introduce another word uh, now, forgiveness, um, to be able to let go of that bitterness, to be able to see that we actually can become better, that what happens to us does not mean that that's going to go through us and then be the outworking of everything we do, our attitudes, behaviours and our actions going forward. But it does take such a level of sense of awareness of, well, am I feeling bitter about that? You know, what is the filter I'm seeing that through? And it can be as simple as a conversation with your husband or your children when they say something. If you feel like something is rising up within you, you can feel that bitterness in your heart that, you know, well, this is their behaviour, this is what they've done, they've always done, this is who they are. That's that sense of bitterness. But what if we look at it with a different filter of how we see things? It gives us the opportunity to be better in who we are. So we get to control who we are, don't we? We can't control what happens to us, but we can control what happens through us, the outworking of that. Well, okay, there's something very deep come through early on in our conversation. And uh, when we talk about this issue of bitterness, the idea of introducing forgiveness into that equation actually in itself can be a defining moment because there are lots of defining moments, aren't there? Because we might talk about you know defining moments and think there's just one big one in our life. No, there are lots of defining moments, those things that have defined us through the bad things that have happened to us early on, could even be the good things that have happened to us early on. But when it's been bad things and when it's brought about a bitterness in our own life, introducing this concept of forgiveness, that in itself is a defining moment, Wendy. Oh, very much so. And it was such a defining moment for me. Uh, again, you know, talking from personal experience and I certainly go, to it, go through it a little bit more in my book. But I carried unforgiveness. I carried unforgiveness to my father. I carried unforgiveness to my uncle, to my mother, to all the things that had happened. We build them up like, like um, keys on our keychain or labels that we, we place upon ourselves. We carry this unforgiveness. And, and we get to the stage, and I, you know, I talk about the stage in my book uh, where I finally, because I still, I picked up both of my parents that committed suicide, so I carried this uh, picture of when life got tough, when it got out of control, when I couldn't control the circumstances because I was trying to control everything except myself, let me say. I was trying to control everything where I couldn't control that anymore, and this suicide, this spirit of suicide was chasing me down literally chasing me down. It was when I, and, and I was a Christian at that stage, so we still carry these things, even though we say we're people of faith. We still have this stuff within us until we deal with it. And the key in those moments for me, when I finally was able to call out to Jesus and really deal with this, this suicide that was, was, was knocking on my door, wanting to show me an easy way out, the wow. key was forgiveness. The key was forgiveness. I had to forgive those people that had hurt me, but I had to forgive myself. See, we can forgive everybody else, but until we forgive ourselves for our own part, you know, for, for what, where we have foreseen our own failures in the choices or the defining moments when we've made a wrong choice, when we forgive ourselves, we're in a position to make a better choice. It's never too late to make a better choice. Well, you're taking us deeper here again because when we talk about forgiveness and the pivotal decisions that we make, 
these defining moments, they don't just change some of the things that are happening around us, outside of ourselves. Uh, What you're saying is that when you introduce this forgiveness, when you are feeling as though you're uh, a very bitter person, that you're actually talking about fundamental change that's happening within the individual because of this forgiveness that comes. Uh, Absolutely, because it starts within us, doesn't it? Transformation begins in us. It has to happen in us to be able to to come through us and and to be able to work out uh, to those around us. It it is a matter of our heart, what is happening within our heart. And, you know, we say what's in our heart comes out of our mouth, right? And if there's bitterness in our heart, then it's going to come out of our words. And that plays out in our actions, our behaviour, our emotions. So forgiveness, choice, defining moments, all of those things that's bitter or better, all of those things are, are there and all tied up together in this defining moment. But I think the biggest key in this as well as forgiveness is knowing that we're not defined by our last mistake. So if we've made a mistake, we have this incredible grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father that when we go back to him and say, oh, I've blown it, I've blown it, he says, that's okay, my son, that's okay, my daughter. Let's just, let's just make it better next time. I'll forgive you and let's walk through this together. So we can find our way through these things. See, yeah, I've probably taken you down another Another area, Neil, sorry. No, no, look, this conversation could go anywhere and when (laughs) listeners are calling in today and we'll take calls, let's open our talkback line, 1-800-316-316. You can uh, help direct where our conversation goes today. Uh, We are talking about defining moments and, uh, Wendy, when we talk about the choices that we make, sometimes those are shaped by the way we were parented And I know listeners, when they hear your story, uh, they'll stand aghast and say, how could those bad things have happened to you? Uh, The choices of children are often made by our parents. and Those things shape us in the way that we develop into young men and women. And so we would all acknowledge that there's a certain parenting role, which is raising our children to be able to make right choices. But not all parents gave us that real understanding and capacity to make good, right choices about our lives. What are your thoughts about parents and the roles that they've had in our early years? That's that generational inheritance, isn't it, that we're born into? And and that's certainly one of the things that we have no control over. Uh, And certainly my generational inheritance was one of suicide, abuse, um, you know, alcoholism. There was a whole pile of things piled into that. The realisation is that when, uh, for me, so again, talking from experience, what I was born into um, was not, I I could allow that to be what would go on through the generation that I'm part of and the generations to come behind me, or I could then go and make some defining moment choices that would stop it with me. See, we can't have... We can't often help what we're born into. We can't. We can't help what we're born into and the situations we find ourselves in, those circumstances. But what we get to do is to make some choices, what we want to pass on to our own children, to the generations that come behind us. And truly it was, you know, I made that decision at 34 to become a, a follower of Jesus. But it was also later on, as you read into my story, and I've just shared about dealing with suicide, to realise that if I made the decision 
to once and for all to deal with this, that it would no longer be something that would follow the generations to come behind us. It can be the simple things that we teach our children on attitudes, behaviour, choices they make now, or it can be the big things. All of those things matter and all have compounding effects. Well, defining moments, and we've been talking about how this affects us personally, but there are some big dimensions that we can still get into in this conversation. In fact, those sorts of dimensions as to what's happening in our workplaces right now. And let's all be very frank and uh, really uh, honest that some of our workplaces are, in fact, very difficult to work in because of the circumstances perhaps surrounding the economic crisis that we're facing right now or perhaps because the personalities who are involved make it very, very difficult to get ahead, to even be inspired about your work. And then there are other dimensions that can develop here even into national decisions that are being made that would take us as we were saying, a fork in the road or a crossroads take us in one direction or another that lead to good or bad consequences. So lots of dimensions here. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation today talking about defining moments. You might have your own thoughts. You might have your own defining moment to share. 1-800-316-316. Also respond to our poll, our Facebook poll, asking the question, do you have any control over defining moments that change the outcomes of your life? At the present time, Wendy, listeners are saying, 46% are saying, yes, we have control over defining moments that change the outcomes of our life. But actually, 54% or the majority are saying, no, we don't have control over defining moments. Uh, before we move on into talking about what happens in our workplaces, what are your thoughts for, uh, for how the numbers are sitting there at the moment or what listeners are feeling? Wow, that's, they're interesting uh, stats, aren't they? 54% feel like we have no choice. I think sometimes that's because everything's been thrown up in the air a little bit and don't know what our choices are going forward. Uh, so we think we have no choice, but we always have a choice on how we show up in those moments as well. So, you know, choice is something that we do have. Uh, there's always a way forward, always a choice. And a choice for life itself, really, isn't there? And and if we want change, the number one catalyst for change is, is us. How do we bring about that change so we can have some control over our choices? And, you know, if I was responding on that poll and voting yes or no, I might have my own circumstances in mind. And it might be a personal circumstance where I feel like I'm cornered and there's no way out. Uh, or it might be in my workplace or the fact that I might have lost my job or lost working hours because of COVID-19 creating a defining moment. Let's talk about it as that too. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's different ways that we respond. And so uh, there is no right or wrong answer necessarily, but mm. uh, majority saying, no, we don't have any control. But I think uh, where our conversation is going is that, yes, there's always some sort of choice that you can make that actually gives back some control. Uh, let's talk about what's happening in the workplace at the moment, because undoubtedly, uh, given what you do, uh, talking to uh, corporate gatherings in workplaces, working with uh, government departments and businesses and uh, sorting out all sorts of issues that might happen in the workplace. Uh, well, not much of that will be happening right now because of the social distancing issues, but, but this is one of the areas that you do love to speak into, Wendy. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, I do actually. Neil, that, that's great. Thank you for bringing it back to that point. We are. We, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is this uh, COVID that's affected so many people in so many ways. And and um, you know, I'm, I want to throw a different filter on it and say, as much as and, and hear my heart, this is not playing down the seriousness and the incredible deaths we've lost people in our John Maxwell team uh, because of COVID. Uh, it's a tragic, tragic, tragic situation, but we're, we're not here to talk into that today. But, but what it has done, it has given us an opportunity to stop and catch our breath in many ways. And I know that it's affected me financially. My business stopped overnight because of COVID. People, you're not in the workplace, are you, overnight? Uh, you know, being able to present and, and deliver and, and, and work with teams. So everything is, is in that reset stage. So what if we use this reset stage and we start to think about, well, what was working well up until this point? What was working well? Or maybe this is a time, and there's so many that I've spoken to, uh, uh, Neil, that, that have used this time to think about, well, I do need a little bit more margin in my life, a little bit more space to catch my breath. You know, I'm running on overdrive, as we all do, because, you know, whether we're, we're working, we're raising children, we're running our own business, uh, quite often there's not a lot of margin to even stop and spend time with the Lord to really think about, you know, am I living uh, in the dream that God has called me to live in. So so I think as bad as it has been, we can also find some good out of this and think about how do we go forward. And, and I know so many have lost their jobs and I know this is, this is an incredible defining in so many ways. But how do we find hope? How do we find some seeds of hope in this to be able to take forward? Because I think it's so, so important to be able to find the hope that will give us some catalyst for the future. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Kate in Queensland. Hi, Kate. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Kate. What are your thoughts for our conversation today, Defining Moments? I just heard Wendy say something before, um, and it really struck a chord with me. Um, Being through a very difficult situation, including childhood um, trauma and domestic abuse as an adult and I just wanted she said a really poignant thing before which was you're not defined by your last mistake and I've heard it said you're not defined by your biggest mistake but I think that was a really poignant thing and really relevant thing for me and for a lot of people who are recovering from trauma and trying to step out into God's will for our lives is that can be a challenge in itself, especially when we know what we want to do and how we want to live, but we're either falling into old patterns or patterns we've seen lived out by um, parents and other significant other people in our lives. Um, and I just also, with the online poll on Facebook, I haven't addressed it, but I did hear you guys say um, with the results, I know if I was, just the way it was worded, I'd be saying no, not because I believe that I don't have control over my response, but um, just with the way it was worded, I would have said no because we can't control what happens to us, but we can only control how we respond. So I wondered if that's affecting people's responses as well. 
I think that is perhaps the case. Uh, I mean, and when I set up those questions and uh, I take responsibility for whether you like the question or not, uh, because they're always designed to, well, you know, and sometimes I get it right and sometimes maybe not. But the idea is to get us thinking about the issue so that we can make a contribution along the lines of either calling in for our talkback conversation or uh, engaging with other listeners who are responding to the online poll. And so for everyone who's doing that, uh, take advantage of the opportunity to make comments and to uh, discuss with one another in a very courteous way, might I add. Uh, but Wendy, uh, your thoughts for Kate as, uh, as she's uh, reflecting on this poignant moment that you're talking about. Oh, hello, Kate. Look, thank you for your points. And I love what you, you picked up on. It's so important to know that we are not defined by our last mistake. And you're absolutely right. We are trying to... Uh, overcome the, the pictures that we, uh, the pictures, and I'm talking about the law of the picture, we learn by what we see others do. And, and so that can become a pattern of behaviour that we fall into. And, and sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. Uh, but it's so important to, to be able to say, well, okay, I'm not, I got it wrong this time, doesn't mean I'll get it wrong next time. So it's, again, that power of reflection. Uh, what went wrong? Why didn't it work? Where did I, where did I fall back? Because it's like we're, we're climbing this uphill battle. Everything worthwhile is uphill. And, and sometimes we slide back two or three steps and sometimes we go forward three steps. But the whole idea is not to beat ourselves up, Kate, when we slide back and just say, okay, I'm going to pick myself up, I'm going to shake myself off, and I'm going to keep climbing because I am going to eventually get this right more times than I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, and that gives us that, that ability to hope for a better future, that hanging on with patient expectation of a better future. Kate, does that answer your thought and the, the sort of uh, thing that you were looking for as a response? Yes, thank you, um, Wendy and Neil, it does. It's just, I suppose it's more about just making that become a habit with the self-talk because I know, speaking personally, the, the negative self-talk is something that's very ingrained. So it's about consciously and continually reframing that and making that habit more than the negative and the destructive and the discouraging thoughts. But thank you very much. Kate, yeah, thank you. Yeah, sorry, I just want to say Kate is absolutely right there, Neil. What we say in our mind is quite often more important than what we say in our mouth, out of our mouth. What we're saying and when those tapes we're playing over in our mind, we need to reset that tape. We need to clean it and reset it. So, yes, very, very important. Well done, Kate. Thank you so much for your contribution. And uh, we might be able to uh, extend our conversation a little bit about this idea of self-talk. Uh, not everyone who's a Christian thinks that self-talk is something that is godly. Of course, uh, if there are godly changes to our mind, uh, you know, if we're in God's word and he is shaping us differently, the way we do talk actually does affect our behavior, our actions, our responses. So uh, it's not necessarily an ungodly thing to talk about self-talk, but thank you so much. Let's hear from Kaz. Kaz in South Australia, welcome along. Good morning, how are you? Good, Kaz. Short of time, what are your thoughts quickly? Okay, my thoughts are um, I run a support group for families going through their loved one's ice addiction and our saying in our group is, I control what I say, think and do, and I'm not responsible for what others say, think can do. So choose your response. So we practice this all the time. And I found myself a lot of times in situations where I think, wow, is that, is that mine? No, it's not. 
and I can choose my response. Wow. Okay. Saying saying no uh, when an addiction is knocking, uh, that's a defining moment in itself. A quick response uh, from uh, from you, Wendy? Yeah, absolutely. I love that, Kaz, because what you've got is you've got your thoughts. You know your, your rebuff. So it's about we know what we're going to say when that thought comes in. No, this is not my responsibility. This is not my choice. I don't own it. It's not mine. And And that's a good way to be able to know because we can filter that and use that as the filter. Kaz from South Australia, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Wendy, just before we take another direction change and talk some more about those corporate things that we haven't really gotten into yet, let's take another call, shall we? Let's hear from Marie, who's calling from Western Australia. Hi, Marie. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very good, Marie. What are your thoughts? Um, I was told, uh, having a problem um, having to forgive, it was... Um, pretty severe. I got to a place of forgiveness but didn't trust. And I was told by pastor and several other people's, um, like in pastoral roles, that if you don't trust people again, you haven't forgiven them. And then I was told that I didn't think that was true. I can't even find that in the Bible. And they said, well, that's just you passing judgment. Therefore, you haven't forgiven because you haven't trusted and you're not trusting it was this horrible feedback loop and I went how where do you go after you're forgiven if you don't trust and are you judging therefore yeah wow a great question Marie Uh, let's bring Wendy into uh, a thought or two on this because uh, you know trusting people again when they've hurt you so badly Uh, Wendy what are your thoughts for Marie Wow, that's a really good question, Marie, and I'm sure it's one that many struggle with. I'll just talk from my perspective on what I see with this is um, trust and forgiveness is about releasing yourself from that situation. You forgive the person, which releases you as well as releasing them. Often they won't even know that you've forgiven them. They'll still go along their merry way. I trust him with that. As far as I know and as far as the way that I've practiced it is, that I, it does not mean you have to trust that person again. This is my perspective, okay? This is just what I see. For example, um, if, if someone has sexually abused, like my uncle sexually abused me when I was 13, forgiving him would not mean I would trust myself enough to put myself in that space, trust him enough to put myself back in that space. So I think it's a lot to do with the circumstance we face as well, but I certainly wouldn't have put myself back in that space or that room with that man. I've forgiven him. Absolutely, I could walk free in that forgiveness, but that did not mean I'd feel uh, safe to put myself back into that position. So I think it, it depends on the circumstances that you're facing and the circumstance you're in. But I think, you know, that that's something that you need to work out with the Lord. For me, it was about me uh, forgiving, but also knowing where I put myself back in. Because sometimes we're not safe in those environments. And I think we need to seriously look at that. If it's not safe to you, go back in and trust somebody who has physically or, or sexually abused you. Um, forgiving can be done without being in that environment. Neil, does that does that make sense? Uh, I think that's a great insight. And if I was adding something there for Marie, and given that it was, uh, I think you said it was a pastor who told you you should trust again. Well, uh, just yeah. uh, just to bring the illustration here that when a church leader fails, trust is breached, 
and it's a long yeah. pathway back. And so trust can be re-earned, but I don't know that it's something that's instant and uh, it needs to be earned right. afresh. But Marie, uh, great great question, great insight. And, uh, you know, my prayer is for, uh, you know, God's blessing on you as you do learn to trust again, but it's not something that you instantly do. And uh, no doubt that's a process because in those defining moments, uh, the choices that we make, uh, the choice may be that you will trust again or that you'll lean towards uh, that trust growing, but it may also be that if it's a circumstance that's going to be uh, harmful to you, that you might not actually trust in that area again. But Marie, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, and you can respond online uh, with our Uh, post that's there today it's asking the question today do you have any control over defining moments that change the outcomes of your life let's come back to talking about our workplaces because uh, we were uh, taken a little bit off course there for a moment Wendy let's come back to the workplace COVID-19 defining moment Uh, so many businesses have closed or are in hibernation people have lost uh, pay they've lost hours Uh, They are, uh, you know, oftentimes people are in real disarray right now. What are your thoughts for the choices that we make even when the worst case scenario has hit? Uh, Give us some insights here. And we we were talking about this a little bit earlier. You know, we can, um, we've seen it, people have lost their jobs and some in not easy ways, you know, some uh, some of the news that they've learnt on losing their jobs may have not even been handled in the best possible way. It's it's a very difficult situation for both sides. And what can happen is we tend to feel like everything is spiralling out of control in that moment. It's so good to just stop for a moment and just think about, well, we know what we can't do. We can't do this going forward. We no longer have that position. And we get lost up quite often in what we can no longer do. But stopping for a moment and thinking, well, what can I do now? What, what is possible? What is a different path? And it is, like you say, Nail, a really defining moment. And, and again, another choice we have to make. And, and we've seen it, you know, that people have been, um, uh, you know, staff on, on aeroplanes and now are packing uh, groceries in the supermarket or packing online orders instead of saying, well, what can't I do? What can I do? What is there something that I can do in this moment? And maybe it is that you, or you're not in a position to get another job, but what can you do within the environment of your own home? What are some of the things that you can do that can become meaningful for this time? Because the hope is, I believe, is that we can find some, some meaning out of this, some time to reset so that when we go forward, uh, we're, we're going forward in a different way. Well, it seems to me, Wendy, that uh, you have a number of things that you could do if you have lost your job because of COVID-19. You could sit and feel sorry for yourself, as I suspect a lot of people do, and maybe there is something even important in a reflective time if that has happened. But then there's the idea of searching for another job, which might be a, a bit of hard work, and it may actually be fruitless if there are no jobs that are on offer but then you can talk yourself into that as well and then there's the idea of retraining what are your thoughts here as to the choices that can affect that defining moment when you realize that maybe that job has come to an end and uh, I've got a, a blank slate for a future to look at right now 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, choices, like, just con- sorry, decisions always have consequences. Whether we're part of that decision-making process, and, and quite often we're not when we lose our job, right? All of a sudden everything stops overnight. Uh, what do I do? Uh, the consequence of that, what, what's that going to look like? And, and action is required. And if we take an inaction, that means we do nothing. That is an action in itself because we've decided not to do it. We've decided to do nothing. We have decided to sit on the lounge and just feel sorry for ourselves. And there, there is a time when we need to allow the grief of what's happened. Uh, but then we, we start to think about intentionally. What intentional action can I take forward? And then that leads into two things that I believe are very pivotal in any defining moment, whether it's something that's um, what happened to me or, you know, sexual abuse, uh, you know, suicide, those things. We, we can't, once we get through the grief of what we're going through and we walk through with that, we need to look at what is our self-leadership going through this? How do we lead ourselves through this time? How do we lead ourselves through losing the job? What self-discipline do I need personally to be able to enable me to lead myself through this? What's that going to look like going forward? And a great way to do that is, is to create, create a matrix. You know, what's working well? What's been working well for me? And what do I need to do differently going forward? What are those different things that are going to give me a path into a new career, into a new opportunity? You know, what, what can I do, not what can't I do? And, and maybe, uh, and I can remember a friend saying to me once, you need to make sales uh, while you're doing something else. So, so maybe you need to do something else. For example, I'm using the uh, example of the people on the aeroplanes that were the hostesses that were now packing shelves or packing groceries. Maybe you need to do that in the moment while you're working out what you're doing going forward in a bit bigger way. The whole idea is to take some action, to make a choice, to be wise, to stand upright. And, you know, that, that's what we get when we walk with the Lord as well. He gives us the strength through his Holy Spirit to be able to walk upright. We're smacked in the face with a choice that wasn't ours and it takes the breath out of us and it can knock us down. But the key is how long we choose to stay down, isn't it? Am I going to step up and take some intentional action? Wow. Inaction is is an action too. So uh, what you're saying is uh, do something, even if it doesn't feel quite right right now, uh, because there may be a stepping stone into something uh, which uh, an opportunity will open up. And uh, and as Christian believers, we know that when we're prayerful in those opportunities, that we're expectant that when the opportunity comes, that that may be, and I'm not going to be saying absolutely certain, but that may be a door that God is opening that you need to be Amen. discerning about to move forward. Hey, we're taking calls. Let's take another call. Cheryl is on the line from WA. Hi, Cheryl. Cheryl, welcome. Hi. Um, look, I've just turned on the radio, so and you might have already answered this in the last one, um, but it's about the forgiveness. So I did hear the end of that. Um, Jesus said, I think it's 70 times 7, and so then you say, well, you know you're going back into a similar situation, but you know, you know each time it hurts, but... Then you keep thinking, well, no, he said 70 times 7. He didn't say, look, if it's going to hurt you emotionally or whatever, that don't do it. So it's just a little bit conflicting. How do you, you know, how do you get over it? Uh, Wendy, your thoughts for Cheryl? Yes, yeah, sometimes, great, great question, Cheryl. 
forgiveness is something quite often, uh, and for me at a time uh, that if you do read my book, you'll see that I, I was forgiving somebody every day, every moment for something that they did to me until I actually could walk out that forgiveness. And I think that, for me, that's how I took that scripture. Sometimes that forgiveness is seven times seven or 77 times seven. We have to keep forgiving until we can actually walk free in that space. But what we were talking about that you may have missed is you can forgive someone who's caused you some physical harm, but it doesn't mean that you go immediately back into that space where it's unsafe. So so working out uh, that maybe it's not safe for you to go back into that space. So that's, that's what uh, you may have missed on the previous call. But yes, sometimes forgiveness, I know for me there were, it was a long time that I had to repeat that forgiveness every time it would come into my mind. I'd say, no, I've dealt with that. I have forgiven my father. I have forgiven my father until it stopped coming back at me. So there is time that you have to forgive over and over. So it's just reminding you that you have forgiven. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for your call. A reminder, isn't it, that uh, when we forgive, uh, we're not actually changing another person in that, but we're actually setting ourselves on a path of healing so that we're not the ones who are bearing the burden. So uh, so there is a certain sense there in which uh, forgiveness is so powerful, it sets us free and uh, sets us free from those things that have defined us by the actions of another. A really, really powerful uh, question that was asked, and thank you so much for your response there, Wendy. Thank you so much to Cheryl. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. It's been a number of comments. Uh, let me just uh, reflect a comment or two here. Carolyn says, in response to our question, let me just say what our question is. Do you have any control over defining moments that change the outcomes of your life? Well, Carolyn says, yes, we can change those defining moments that destroyed our lives as children through Jesus as adults. I have the same story of sexual abuse as a child and grew up in an environment of adult drunkenness and domestic violence and poverty and Jesus changed my adult life. Anna says, yes, we have free will and whether right or wrong, we continually make choices. This is the interesting thing here and I'll get your thoughts, Wendy. We are continually making choices that are defining moments of every day and there will be defining moments of our entire lives and some of those might be the cumulative effect of some of the smaller choices we're making. What are your thoughts here? Mm, that's right on the mark, isn't it? We continue to make choices every day. Every day we make choices. Some may not be as big as some of the ones we've spoken about today, but the choices we make do compound, don't they? Uh, and a great example of this is we can make a decision to not negotiate on a certain thing. I'm going to use my quiet time as that example. My decision is that I will not sleep in, I will always get up early and go and have a really good quiet time because I know that sets me up. Being in the Word, spending time with the Lord in the morning sets me up for my day. I can wake up in the morning and think, I'm really tired, I don't want to get out of bed, I'm just going to stay where I am. It's a choice, right? A choice to stay in bed. But I've made my decision, so I'm not going to negotiate on that. There's no negotiation. So some of those choices, we can decide that this is the choice I'm going to make and I think it ties back in and I'm going to open another rabbit hole, sorry now, your values and beliefs. So we tie back into our values and our beliefs and we think about, well, what are the values and beliefs that I have on that? So then our choices are tied to that. So we have that sounding, that sounding, um, sound foundation and that comes from the word of God. We know that. 
prior to being a Christian, I didn't know about those choices. You know, that, that, that book of life that, that I had that I could learn from every single day. You only need to have to read a proverb every day and you learn about the power of wisdom. So there are choices that we make each day and each day those choices compound. But knowing what choices you're not going to negotiate on. If alcohol is an issue for you, then that choice is I will not drink alcohol. And that, that might sound, that, yeah, that's really easy, Wendy, well said. But you know what? Learn what you're not going to negotiate on. Think about when those thoughts come to your mind, I need a drink. What else can you do? What's something you can do to distract yourself from that, that call? And that's where we need the support of other people in those circumstances. But again, not negotiating on those choices, those life choices that impact us and the generations to come behind us. Powerful insight, values and beliefs set often in our quiet time. And that's the thing that happens on the weekdays. Often we think about going to church on a Sunday and that's not all that shapes us as Christians. Those values and beliefs often come and we hear these testimonies frequently from people who read the daily devotional that comes from Vision Christian Media, of course the word for today. And as you say, prior to being a Christian, you don't know about those choices. And so that's why you need to spend time in God's Word and with some level of guidance or even with the mentor that you might choose that's helping you to make, you know, make some understanding out of those choices because prior to being a Christian, you don't know what those choices are. But the wisdom of God is the thing that will keep us in good stead and lead us on into good things. Uh, those that are ignoring the wisdom of God, that's an, in, that's an important thing to just talk here because let me just sort of set this scenario here for a moment, Wendy. As Christians we would say that the new birth is a defining moment. That time when we come and we believe in Christ the first time, we know that salvation is ours. But for some people, they leave it at that and say, oh, I'm born again, but I'm not actually involved in that discipline of having the quiet time. My life is not being allowed to change according to God's word. What are your thoughts here for growing beyond the new birth into what God has destined you for? Mm, that's a great question and one that I love to speak about. I, you know, for me, again, my personal example, new birth, made a decision, followed Jesus. Uh, I wanted the God that everybody else had, but I didn't know this relationship with Jesus that I needed to have. So we have this defining moment. I'm talking from my own experience, my perception, uh, where I, I've, I made that decision. But I still had all this baggage that was with me because I didn't know that I needed to be in the Word every single day and I didn't know that there were things there that God was going to work through and deal with in my heart and take me through and, and take me through all of those senses of forgiveness. But it all came out of relationship with God until later down the track when he took away all the other things, for me personally, that I thought were important and more, more important than having time with the Lord, I was a Christian, I could say it, I'm a woman of faith, but was I really? My woman of faith was birthed out, became a, a, a birth, um, sorry, let me say that again, was birthed out of a time of um, transformation when everything else that I thought I was, the labels that I placed on myself was taken away. And then I was stripped back to saying, well, it's me and you, Lord. What does this look like going forward? And out of that came this incredible, rich relationship that we get when we spend time in the Word and we get when we spend time with the Lord and we get when we pray. doesn't mean we always get it right. 
I'm, I'm like everybody else, I'm human and I don't always get it right. But I'm quick to go back and get on my knees and really ask God to lead me, to take me through. Wow. And, uh, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that work? Because we expose ourselves to the things of God. Hey, let's quickly take one more call. Time is running very short. Let's hear from Wayne in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Wayne. Hey, how are you, mate? Hey, mate, I'm just uh, getting back to the forgiveness side there of... um, I've had to go through a fair bit forgiving people or or on the other side where they forgive me. And for a long time, and I'll still do it till the day I die, most probably, like all of us, we're only human. But I believe what the Lord spoken to my heart was, yep, um, there's only one thing that you haven't done. You haven't forgiven yourself. Mm-hmm. And I felt peace in my heart about that. And, um, yeah, something I battled with for a long time because I felt like I was doing all the right things forgive people and vice versa and uh yeah i believe that's what the lord spoke to me and i thought well that might be the same case with a lot of other people they don't realize that they need to forgive themselves too in in situations wayne outstanding you know you can be burdened down can't you with guilt uh, and shame and all sorts of things like that forgiving ourselves is very important wendy a very quick word for wayne Uh, It's the key. You know, I've forgiven everybody else, but until I came back and forgave myself, then we can start to walk free. And that does not come right away, but we start to walk it out daily, don't we? And we remind ourselves that we've actually forgiven ourselves for that mistake. God's forgiven us, there's no doubt. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for your call. Appreciate that. And we do have to wrap things up. Let me just give you a quick uh, an update here. The question on our Facebook page today, do you have any control over defining moments that change the outcomes of your life? Uh, the figures as they sit, uh, 55% saying, yes, we have some control. 45% saying, no, we don't. And so there's been a change there over the course Whoa. of the hour. And so uh, uh, interesting, great insights. And thanks to everybody who responded there. Uh, you can leave a comment there and uh, you can engage with other listeners who are making their comments on that site. Uh, just great getting you once again, Wendy, talking through some of these issues. You've got a remarkable story And your book is called Remarkable You. And when we talk about transformed lives, uh, you're a walking example of that. And I know that there will be challenges that you face every day. And you've got some principles there by which you can, in fact, take some level of control over the defining moments that happen. Wendy Burns, the website is remarkableyou.com.au. That's where you could get a hold of Wendy's book called Remarkable You. It tells her story, and it is a wonderful story of transformation. Wendy, thank you so much for taking some time today to share your thoughts and share your heart with us today on 2020. Oh, Neil, thank you for having me back again. It's been a real pleasure and a joy to speak to some of your listeners. And I'll just leave you with one word. Remember what we agree with, we empower. So be very careful in your choices what you agree with. Powerful stuff. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.